Sensitivity is intelligence. With grace and skill, you have abundance. Welcome to the Psychic Hour. Host Kelly Brickle is a psychic medium, numerologist, healer, and teacher. Her passions are learning about the soul and energy. Whether through spirit, emotion, or vibrational numbers, there is always a pathway of information waiting to help. Now, here is your host of the Psychic Hour, Kelly Brickle. everybody and welcome to the psychic hour we have the interview series today and we have psychic medium drew Kelly on and we're going to be diving into talking about his life his abilities and um really what's from his heart with this work so um come on board uh pop down your questions if you have them later on for uh, Drew as we continue to go forward. And we always start with the topic of the day um, and that gets the energy going and flowing. And the topic of the day, really what came to me, um, cause I always just allow it to come, whether it's the day of, or when spirit kind of goes, you really gotta talk about this, gotta make sure you talk about this. And I'll do like a walk beforehand and, and I talk about this. Um, I just let it come organically. And the thing that was flowing in was about just trusting the universe, allowing the universe to pull you in certain directions, whether it's like a magnet or whether things have electricity or whether things grab your attention to let it just speak to you in a way where you're like, what is that? And what happens when I open up that energy? And you can always say yes. You can always say no. You can always change your mind, but the universe is about infinite choices, infinite possibilities. So it's important to meet the moment, even if you're not sure about things in a capacity where you go, all right, do I stay or do I go? And when I choose, what comes out within me? And it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. I think we're I, I prescribe to the the thought that we're supposed to make mistakes. We mistakes. We, you know, should celebrate our mistakes. We should know that we're here to grow. We're here to not always know what to do. And the overseen intelligence of the universe and spirit collectively, they know what we're looking to express, our hopes, our dreams, our desires. And it's not about what we want always, but they know what energy is next for us to understand what we need to know to continue to go forward and feel like, yes, I am becoming who I want to be. Because we're always, even if we have it all, or you think someone has it all, we're always learning to become who of more we want to be in every aspect of life. Like I'm a big fan of always promoting, like just because you have it figured out in one area, doesn't mean you're advanced. You could just be a child in certain areas of your life. You're like, I'm figuring out as I go, but I rock it this area. And like, I can just come in ease with this area and I know what to do in that area and things go really well for me, but we're all learning how to put it together and we're all being tested and we all need to be making actively 
mistakes to certain capacities to go, oh, that's what I need to do, or that's not right for me, or okay, maybe another way, because that's not it. And then hello, everybody coming in. Hello, Jenny. And to allow really to have the humbleness and the humility to go through life. Hello, Kevin, and allow it to teach you. I think a lot of us are so afraid, like we've been conditioned to be afraid. And when things are real, sometimes we are scared. It's just like, yes, this is so real. I'm scared. Um, you know, this is, this is meaningful to me. This is, you know, when you really want the job or you really want the relationship, when you fall in love, when you, um, or even if you're having like a health scare and you're like, this is what's going on. I'm scared. I'm in the energy. I'm in life. This is so real. It scares me. Um, that's when everything really opens up and you, you understand who you are and you don't need to understand who you are immediately. Like give it time, give it space, give it, you know, a moment. It's not supposed to come to you like instantaneously always. Sometimes it can, sometimes things hit us like lightning, but ultimately You have to just trust where you're led and it's okay if we get things wrong. Again, like you could make a decision. You're like, this is what I wanted. And then you go forward and you're like, actually, I'm not quite sure if this is what completely what I wanted. I'm not sure if I'm happy in this um, job, in this relationship. I'm not sure if I'm happy where I moved or I'm not sure if I'm happy being around my family really big moments in life that we have to reorganize and reconfigure and learn about ourselves in. And it's all right. And if you are rejected, if you are misunderstood, if people around you were like, you needed to know, you needed to know, why did you say yes? Why did you say no? Why did you go forward if you were so unsure? And And really the universe was just guiding you to learn, right? It's all about us learning and our egos get so caught up with getting it right or making sure someone else is happy or someone else wondering why, you know, we inconvenience them. And really we should be accountable and responsible for the choices that we make. But along the way say, you know, I... I really was led here and this is something I really did find out about myself and to embrace that and accept that. And it happens all the time. The reason I'm passionate about sharing this is it happens all the time. The universe is already doing this to us. The spirit is already doing this to us, but we really only have resistance when we do have fear or uncertainty, right? The rest of the time we're like, yeah, should I'll, I'll go with that. That seems fine or I, or, you know, there's some decisions where we're just like, okay with not knowing you. I don't know. It's, but, but those things might not be life altering for us, or they might not be real or visceral. And we're just like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. So it's like, why do we clench or get so afraid when things are so intensely real? Like that's the pinnacle of being alive. Like we're here. What's the next step? The fear is overtaking us. What are we going to do? 
And there's this dance with energy because it's not just ourselves. There's this, this dance with energy because we're playing off other people's energy, other people's experiences, group energy. Um, what is going forward for everybody, not just ourselves? So we do have to learn to dance with this particular frequency that honors ourselves and also honors the situation. And so that's why it's so important to practice, get it wrong. It's so important to exert yourself and just see what happens because you're going to be a more skilled dancer. We have to be more skilled dancers and activators because we're in this, this, this enmeshment of so much energy daily with how it pushes and pulls and why we do feel so confused. Uh, we have to be really um, masterful with our own energy. And that takes a lot of different turns and takes a lot of different outcomes for us to be masterful in even ways that we're good at. <laughs> so I implore you, you know, the the sharing of this space for us to listen and communicate and to share other people's stories. It's very important to me because you know, through listening to somebody, you go, that's the way they did it. And that reminds me of myself, or that reminds me of, I'd rather do this instead, because they're talking about how much it made them feel alive, or how excited they were. And the last time I felt that feeling, it was with something more so like this. And the more we share, and the more we get people up to speed, and I'm always learning how to get up to speed through other people, as well as myself. You know, I'm always the professional student as I try to be a teacher in areas that I do feel like I have ease and flexibility and knowing with. But the more we share, the more we grow. And it's important to embrace the uncertainty and the mistakes and to know that the universe really, at least how I believe it, you can't really get it wrong. You can't really get it wrong when it comes to operating from a place from your heart. You can't get it wrong when you're just trying to grow your soul and you're doing it in a way that honors yourself. So if you get back to that vibration amidst the busyness, the confusion, or other things that are going on, like you're going to have strength of character along the way. And that is really going to set you sailing. So Hello, everybody coming on in, Aspen, Michelle, Julie, it's great to see you. Um, we're going to bring in Drew in just a moment. Um, so I'm excited to, to welcome him to the show. I'm going to pull him in right now. So say a warm welcome to Drew. Hello. Hey, Kelly, how are you? Doing good. How are you, Drew? Excellent. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to see you. I want to introduce you to everybody. For those who know Drew, or if this is the first time you're learning about him, Drew Callie is a distinguished psychic and evidential medium who has sharpened his skills at the revered Arthur Finley College for Mediumship and Psychic Sciences. He leads the path in spiritual growth, healing, and self-discovery through the Butterfly series and Awakening Intuition courses, along with private readings and group sessions that he facilitates. His weekly live stream show, Press Pause, offers a blend of psychic readings, spirit communications, interactive 
Q&A questions, and transcending inspired guided meditations like The Pearl Within. As a founder of the Kali Center for Healing, Education, and Intuitive Arts, Drew has created sacred space for others to develop, expand, and connect. His blend of professionalism, experience, reliability, incredible incredibly accurate readings, and unwavering dedication positions him as a respected psychic medium and teacher. Welcome, Drew. Thank you. It's really good Absolutely. to be here. It's awesome to have you here. Um, I I met you years ago at a conference called Celebrate Your Life. And uh, so I know just from my experience that, you know, this has been a part of you for a long time. You've been building and growing and very passionate about mediumship. But before I met you, I don't, I didn't know your story. I didn't know your background. I just was like, wow, he has great energy and this is a part of his life. So where on your journey did you start expanding your mediumship where you put yourself out there? What was the year? Because I'm learning about you actually as I talk to you as well. Yeah, no, no, love it. Um, so for me, it it first revealed itself to me in 2011. And uh, before that, I knew that I was good with people. I knew that I was intuitive and I had a knack for a di totally different business that I was in. And I really didn't finish school. I, I didn't do well in that, but I always was really good with people. And um, so it, it had always been there and I play a lot of music. I write and I play guitar and um, I, there was always this creative piece and art and things like that, but never anything that I took that seriously uh, after my early 20s. And once I got back from, uh, I went into the army right after 9-11 and I went overseas and I came back and we had a string of difficulties. So I, my mom had battled cancer for a couple of years and passed. And then I got married and my wife and I had a stillborn baby girl with eight months and one week. And then um, like 20 days later, my brother-in-law took his own life in a very violent way. So for me, the journey started in 2000 eight and nine. And that's when I, uh, recognized through therapy that, uh, and other things that I had a drinking and a drug problem and I had to stop. And when I started getting sober about a year to the day, like I started in 2009, but really got serious about it. 2010, uh, in November and about November of 2011, somewhere in there, I had this incredible, my sister put me in touch with this psychic and she was like, you know, you gotta talk to the psychic. And I was like, nah, nah, I'm good. You know, as like, that's what you do when you're drinking on the boardwalk. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I'm good. And um, not that I didn't believe in them, but I didn't believe like that I needed it. And she, so anyway, I, I took the call and, and uh, she was fantastic. And, and I remember she got like 80% right. And I remember being like, well, you didn't get this right. She literally knew that within my company that I co-signed a gentleman's car who wanted to be a cop and he was going to default. And like three months later, he defaulted. I, I wow. co-signed a lease for him. So, but she said, Drew, you're going to do this work. I'll never forget it. I was like walking around my house going, what, what work? You know, I'm like, I already work. Like, what are you talking about? And she just kept going on and on. And, and I was like, she's like, no, I just keep. And she's like, you know, and I was such a cynic and uh, I always joke, like I curse like a truck driver. I don't levitate. I don't have a bath phone to God. My life is not easy. Um, and these are abilities. When I share them with other people, they become gifts. And that's really where I had to learn. Um, but that night, um, she said just, and I Googled how to meditate. I sat in an Island in my kitchen, closed my eyes, 
Uh, I didn't have any candles. So um, I just remember surrounding myself with white light or something. And I closed my eyes and I just had this really crazy experience. And when I opened my eyes, I could hear, feel, and see, so to speak. And because it wasn't exactly what I saw in the movies, I didn't really understand what it was, but I was just so uh, into it. So in short, over the next couple of days, it was like every time I had a thought, there was another, it was almost like the hearing were like thoughts that were in my voice, but not quite. And when I touched water the next morning, I'll never forget it. Uh, I heard, this is Jonathan. You got to call Jason. And I remember I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I just looked I'm like, nope, nope, not doing it. And I was just like, I'm losing my mind. And uh, the more, and then it ended up being where this guy, Jason, that I kind of knew, I got a visual of him. I called him and I'm like, does this make sense? And as I called him, I started feeling things and getting things. And it was very accurate. I ended up going to his sister's house and it was his husband her husband's dad they took out a book put it on the table a bunch of relatives like with their arms folded everything in my body kelly was like don't go and i was like and they're like you sure he's like you sure you want to come or not everything in my body's like no i'm like okay and i went and uh i was and i picked him out of this giant album and he had passed and and uh, i can't it was just amazing and the thing that got me from there was i didn't know how do i live how do I integrate this into my life? How do I handle this? Um, I didn't know anybody that had this in their life. So I, I spent a number of years chasing my tail in a way. So that's kind of right before that. And I was going to Arthur Finley. I was going to Hay House conventions. I would go anywhere at any time. And I had the money and I had the freedom because I owned a successful business prior to this. And I had the flexibility. So I really wanted to know, like, do I do this? Do I not do this? And if I do this, like what kind of medium or person do I want to be? Right. And there was a lot of big things happening that ramped up to you having your first experiences, maybe on another level. Cause I want to ask you about, you know, when you're younger too, if, if, if you notice now, like, Oh, I actually did do things when I was younger, or if it's completely just, nope, at a certain point in my life, it blasted open. But the first thing I want to ask, so because my mind is bouncing around a little bit, you said every part of your body did not want to go, but you still went. So how did you find yourself getting there? Like, you're just like, okay, I'm just going to do it. What, what happened? I, I have to credit that to sobriety because I was new in about, about a year or two into cleaning up my life and not, uh, you know, taking anything to alter my mood or my mind. And I woke up every morning and I meditated a little bit and I prayed, but it wasn't like meditation. Like I do now It was more like I would sit for a couple minutes and say prayers that I knew and being Irish and Italian, that's kind of going to lead you to be Catholic. So, um, and I don't consider myself religious, but that's just what I knew. That was my lens. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I, um, it's, it's kind of like, when I look back and I think about it, it's still crazy to me, but sobriety and spirituality, that version of spirituality that allowed me to have a dialogue with this higher presence, that wasn't a religious God, that wasn't a bad or good or a black or white, or uh, this kind of authority figure. Cause I do not do well with authority. <laughs> like, like if you want me to do something, tell me not to do it. That's how it used to be. Mostly I was very defiant and, um, I always felt like I had a good heart, but I did not like being told what to do because of the house that I was brought up in. And, um, you know, I don't know there was just something in me that I knew just like the meditation that night with the psychic, 
everything in me was like, this is silly. And I remember being like, well, she's like, your spirit guides want to meet you. I remember being like, see him. And she was like, are you sitting next to a fireplace with a little brown dog? And I was like, freaked out, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, is this like a show? Am I on camera somewhere? And, um, it, you know, she was really good and she used a fake name. She eventually gave me her real name. And like, you know, so I really had no, uh, no idea what was behind the scenes for people that did this work, you know, uh, whether they were, you know, in a shop or doing it, you know, however else they, you could do it. Um, and I, what's interesting too, is even a couple of years before my aunt took us to John Edward in the, uh, Jersey area. And there were 500 something people in the crowd. He spent like 30 minutes on me, my sister, my aunt, my brother. And wow. he kept talking about a bear. And my mom and me had seen a bear going out to a lake house at one point. So I thought it was that, but even the name Callie, that's not my real last name. That's my guide's name, Great Bear. And it means, Callie means the constellation previously known as Great Bear. So uh, I would never name the Callie Center like after my real last name. <laughs> so I don't, it's, it's like me and spirit. You know, and so not to go on and on, but that, but I felt very guided and it was like, I would have a, between my chin and my belly button is where I felt like I got the most impressive, undisputed guidance. It wasn't because when my brain would get very involved and I go, what about this? And what about this? And I could definitely change what I was getting. And, um, I, I just heard, you gotta go, you gotta go. And like, I knew it was a knowing. I needed to go and, and I and I was hoping I would get it all wrong, to be honest. Crazy. You're, wow. You're you're like, I don't know why I'm here. Um sure, I guess I'm gonna show up and then I can be done with this, basically. Yeah, I was like, let's just go get this guy off my back. <laughs> but you actually heard somebody. I, I don't <laughs> think everyone has a different awakening um to mediumship or psychic abilities um and not a lot of people i would say get a voice what kind of voice was it was it loud was it so just the first time i heard it it sounded voice? like it was outside of me and it was loud okay. was, this is jonathan wow. you need to call jason right now and i got an impression of jason in my mind who i knew from like the gym and from yoga and i was like like it wasn't somebody i was going to go tell that i was hearing things you know and um when I later on that day, cause I did text Jason and then I talked to him when I closed my eyes and I went into like a quiet space, I saw him come up and I could just see his blue eyes like staring at me. And I felt him almost like flicking my ear, like almost telling me he was kind of like a character. He was kind of the character. And he kept saying, this is Jonathan without an H. This is Jonathan without an H. Um, yeah. So it, but as I got to say to your point, Claire audience I thought would always be out loud when I'm really deep in it. It may seem like that, but it's actually like it bubbles up through me. I don't understand it fully. It's partially a thought and partially outside of that, but it's, if it was truly out louds, other people would hear it. You know what I mean? So, uh, but that day, the first time that I heard it, I understood it most definitely not to be just a random thought. It was a voice telling me who they were. Yeah. And that is incredibly direct. Yeah. Incredibly direct. It was, it was not something I could ignore. And that's what probably I needed because if I, and then I started seeing kind of like smoky people or outlines, 
but I got, not only did I get afraid, but it took an extraordinary amount of energy physically for that to manifest in physical reality. And I thought that it would stay like that. So for like a couple of days, I was walking around my house, like drawing pictures of people. And every time I had a thought, it was almost like they could see the chain of thoughts before I could even be aware of it. And it was like simultaneously, I would have this incredible answer. I was like, oh, that's wild. So I, I really, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I, 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 was afraid, but so curious that, and every time I was around, like I went to my therapist and I was like, you see these pictures, pictures were like moving on my phone, like slightly, but people were like, dude, I see that. And what's funny is if you look at the pictures today, none of that's in there, you know? So it was, it felt very surreal. And if someone else told me the story, I would be like, okay. <laughs> so when I was able to validate it by saying things to people and about people, uh, even if it was 70% correct, I was like, really? I, I still do that. I'm in awe of how this works because it works in spite of me, you know, and through me, not from me. So I don't always remember, but it always amazes me that the need is where it comes from and where it goes. And maybe I needed it in my life, but I will say it was like homecoming. As soon as that happened that night, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I was supposed to do this work. And I was like, almost like, oh, this is why I'm here. It gave me the sense of a great purpose that I really didn't have in my life, although things on the outside seem successful. So that's a very big turn too from having this very direct, very um, multifaceted sensory experience. And then you go to this person's house where every bone in your body is like, don't do it. And then you're like, I'm supposed to do that. That is a huge turn of events in a small amount of time. <laughs> I remember they opened up the album with all the pictures in it and none of them were kind of the age that I saw them at, but the one that stood out on the page, there were three different ones I got, but there were, everything got grayed out like almost black and white. And then there was one that highlighted almost like, almost like a movie of like kaleidoscope of his eyes coming up and like calling to me. And I just remember being like, that's him. And everyone got really quiet and everybody was like, no, you're right. And I was like, no. <laughs> It was just, and then as soon as they acknowledged that, I started getting all this information. And that's when I realized that it works almost simultaneously hearing, seeing, and feeling when you're really linked in. Like it really, it really was like, I don't, I don't like when I hear people say it's like a knowing because it sounds very too mystical for me. Cause it's like, like what is knowing, you know? And it, it was, I was getting, I was receiving, I was understanding. He had a sister named Carol. They were like, yeah. And like, I would get the gist of something, even if I got it a little bit wrong, but then some things I got right. very specific. Do you understand the white car that, you know, Carol's talking about? Yeah. Before he died he, or he left the white car to Carol or something like that. It was his sister. So I was just like, wow. And this is stuff that, and Jason knew me for a while. And he was just like, we walked out together. I'm like, I don't know what just happened. And he's like, I don't know what just happened. And I was just like, I went from like minus AM to like satellite. I don't know. And I remember driving home and everything was lit up. You know how when you vibrate at a certain level, everything seems to be resonating at that level as well. So if you're like in the lows, everything seems kind of crappy. And if you're in the highs, everything seems really good. I just remember driving home and it was around right after a couple of days, either before or after Christmas, because I remember all the Christmas lights. And I remember everything I saw was like a, a, a beautiful sign and a confirmation or a validation or a prompt to do something, think something. And it was all like that perfect synchronicity. And um, I, I don't know. I just remember driving home being like, I, I felt so elated. And so it was magical to me now. 
um, at the time, I just, uh, I didn't want it to end and I, I just didn't know how to go about it. So I ended up seeking people that had done it before me and, uh, for better or worse at first, you know? Right. Yeah. There's so many different, um, ways that people teach or, um, guide you. So that's a completely different thing in itself, but now I'm definitely understanding on, like what level things came in that night. And it makes sense because it was just like, you you talk about, well, I'm not sure about the word knowing sometimes, but you did have a knowing because it was like all your senses were lining up. And it was just like, there was just so many parts that came into play where you felt this was right. This was right. You know, even if you were fighting the hundred percent, you're like, there's 90% of me that just knows I'm alive and this is where I'm at. Um, I find that really fascinating that it happened so strongly that night. If I may ask too, so when you were younger, um, did you have any experiences? Because you, you, you described like you went through alcoholism and addiction. And so that would immediately make me wonder about your sensitivities just very naturally that you had to just go, Hey, I got to do this to deal. So what were you like when you were a kid? And did you have anything close to this when you were younger? Um, no, I would say that I remember very vividly asking my mom and my mom was very much mediumistic, but they her and her sisters, my Irish side, but they, and my Italian side, but my Irish side, and they never really, they didn't, look at it this way. It was very afraid of people were afraid of it. So I just remember being fascinated with, like, I would ask her questions like, well, where, what if I wasn't born? You know, where would I be? And she would get really annoyed with me. I just remember <laughs> being very sensitive, very artistic and really quick. Like I would pick something up. If I could do it once I knew how to do it. But if I had, if you read me directions, I couldn't, process that my mind would be going a million different directions. So the, the typical ADD kid. Um, and I, what I remember mostly is being really sensitive to people in a room. Like if I walked into a room, part of it was, you know, I was brought up in a household that was in this day and age, it wouldn't even be tolerated. But at that time, not that it was normal, but it was a very difficult house to be in. And, um, so I had to, you know, really understand my environment. I had to be on eggshells, walk on eggshells, or at least be hyper aware of moods and, you know, crowds and all that. So I, I would just say, I just remember one time driving by a school telling my mother that I had a, a, a memory about being in a school and being someone else. And she was like, really, really quick to like, nope, you were not. That's just, nope, that's in your head. And she was like angry, like, don't ever say that again. Like almost like, don't repeat that to anyone else. They're going to think you're crazy. So, but other than that, I don't remember seeing spirits. I don't remember talking about it. It wasn't a house that you, my dad was in law enforcement. Um, and, you know, I just remember being able to pick up on where someone was at emotionally, energetically. I knew when to give someone a hug, when not to. And I was a big uh, I felt very connected to people. Like my, I had a very big family at that time in my life. My family was everything. We went to both sides of our family for everything, huge Irish and Italian family. And, um, I remember just like when I, I would, if I would give a hug and a kiss and, it, uh, if I didn't get like a handshake or a hug and a kiss, I felt like disconnected from somebody. So I, I like craved that, that love, but I don't remember, I would say the drug and alcohol thing, at 12 years old, I remember being on the beach with my sister and her friends, and she was two years older, three years older. 
And I was offered like a beer and a cigarette. And I was like, don't do that. I was like this fanatic with sports. I was really athletic, football, wrestling, baseball, soccer, basketball, everything. And um, the next year at 13, I had like three earrings, a black shirt, uh, smoking pot and smoking cigarettes and hanging out with the wrong people in seventh grade. So I, I did not want to be home. I did not want to go home. So I stayed out. And when I stayed out, I started dabbling with, you know, older kids giving us drugs and alcohol and it was constant. It didn't stop. I didn't realize it was that bad, but by the time I was 16 or 18, like I didn't even, I kind of joke about this, but I don't know if I should. I, like, I didn't like the Grateful Dead until I saw them on acid. <laughs> You know, like th there's a lot of fun, like memories, but it got to a point where it, when I really looked at it, I was, I didn't know who I was and I didn't want to feel what I felt. So the sensitivity was always there. And the one place I found calm was when I was strumming on a guitar, playing music and writing. And, um, I think, you know, once I went into the army, it kind of, gave me a little bit of freedom from my family and my house and the drugs kind of stopped or slowed down and there was drinking um, and then going to war and not being able to do anything and feeling totally different and coming back. Um, I, I just remember when people passed away in that 30 to 33 range, um, the only coping mechanism I really had was drinking and, and drugs. And I just didn't see it that way. It was just part of who I was. And, uh, but yeah, huge from, and then I, when I had to really acknowledge it from 13 to 33, um, I drank and I drugged. I didn't, there were, there was not a lot of time in between that I wasn't doing one of those things, you know, and I wasn't, I may not have been falling. It wouldn't have been noticeable maybe to everybody, but I would say that, you know, whether it was just weed or just taking mushrooms and going snowboarding, I was very active, um, but also mischievous and hiding things because Again, I did not want to go home and I didn't do well in school, but I liked being around people. I didn't want to be alone either. So I was very conflicted is what I would say. You're very conflicted. And nobody ever gave me any tools. Like nobody was like, hey, you know, I remember going to see someone and they were like, you know, you should get on Ritalin. You know, like, so everything was kind of yeah. like answered then to me later on, it became prescription drugs. So it wasn't so much like illegal stuff. It was just like everyone else had the answer outside of me. And when this started to happen, it was like the first time that I gave myself a year of clarity and calm. And, you know, uh, I was so worked up into this addictive cycle that I was so used to chaos, whether it was war and I was in war in Baghdad, whether it's chaos, family style, like in, inside domestically or, you know, uh, mentally or emotionally, I was more familiar with the chaos and, and I could see clearer. If you came to me and had a situation, I would know exactly what to do. I was more comfortable and familiar with the chaotic than I was with the calm. So when, when I started getting really better and I started being maybe, maybe spirit became more accessible was when I, uh, when things got calm and I found peace there and serenity instead of let me light some matches so I can get comfortable again, you know? So it def definitely was there my entire life. Cause, and when it happened that first time, I felt like I'd always done it. I was like, Oh, I must've done this. Like, millions of times before weird it was just a very natural groove and yeah you're talking about how everyone always had the answer around you but this was the first time that you really started having answers from within you or a very yeah. personal place where you go wow i 
I'm not just going through the motions, even though, you know, it sounds like you were living life, but it didn't seem like there was always a reason that, let's say, came from you. You just like let other people go, okay, this is the next thing. Let's go. Let's go. And I always, I always felt like something was missing or wrong. I just didn't know what it was. I, I really didn't. I didn't know, you know, is it, is it my sexuality? Is it my, am I like bipolar? Am I just ADD? Am I just uh, damaged? Like, I really just didn't know when this happened. I was, it was just like a big epiphany. I was like, it was a miracle. I was like, oh, and you know, um, it's not as fantastical every day doing this work now, but I wouldn't, I would have missed it if it was as subtle as it is today because the subtle became louder. But, um, you know, I'm really grateful because I used to say like it happened to me, but you really feel like that higher divine presence runs through us, from us, to us so that life can happen for us. And every like when I look back, there's steps that kind of led me to this. I don't think that I would have been as if it happened to me today at 47, almost 48. I don't think that I I don't think I would have taken the time to develop and cultivate it. I wouldn't have traveled around the world trying to understand why. One day I can get a name, what they looked like, how they passed, and the next day uh, I'm not connecting so well. Like I, I didn't know that a big piece of it was this steady trust and calm, and this spirituality is rooted in my humanness. It's not to escape it or be elevated. It's not about that. And I felt I, I learned, I had to learn from the wrong teachers before I got to the right ones because I did have some people that were like, you know, like we need to activate your hands. You know, I'm like, what? With what? You know, like. They're like, you know, that I had this woman, she kept telling me to get a vortex. I'm like, you mean a vortex? And she was like, I had all this, uh, these crystals and, um, and not that crystals don't amplify things, but just, I, I mean, I was so naive in the very beginning. I'm not kidding. I probably would never say this again, but I'll say it. I had a woman that was the, the first woman that kind of opened me up. She's like telling, she was so good. But then at the same time, she was telling me that I should leave out honey and milk for fairies. And I did for a day and I'm waiting and I'm like, they didn't, they didn't come. I swear to God. You were, you were she, flexing that belief muscle. <laughs> I feel like such a child. And then I was like, let me just give it one more day. And I'm like, it's not going down, you know? And the, the scary thing. So that was those kinds of early things. And she took me into this series of meditations. And then I started sitting with other people and started being able to guide them and the pearl within, like all these things started to come in a very calm, altered state, if you will. Um, so. There was a home within a home there for me and mental mediumship seemed to be the neon sign in the window that got me to look in this direction that gets other people to say, Hey, you know, can you help me with something? Um, and I can't always help. I'm not, I'm not for everyone, but I, I would say that I'd rather be real than be right. You know? And that was one thing I learned very early on. Like I didn't want to be half crazy and half and and half brilliant. I, I did not want it because I couldn't live like that. I, I needed it to be when I'm off, I'm off. Like, I don't, I don't walk around and try to read people. And when I was coming up, it was like long Island medium central. So by me, everyone's like, you know, Teresa Capoto, you know? And I'm like, of course, I'm like, I'm so grateful that mediums are out of the closets and in people's living rooms, but it's not a 30 second edit for an hour. Like, you know, yes. like let it be what it's supposed to be. So uh, traveling and meeting up with you and other people like you, really, really gave me a sense of I'm not alone. And although we might be unique in the way that we understand this and we convey it um, or amplify it, I uh, don't feel special in a good way, in a good way. It really 
the humility of that keeps keeps me uh, the honesty keeps me in that humility space and the fact that it's not up to me you know uh it's not up to me i have to allow things to transpire uh you know whether i like them or not sometimes and i control what i can with the conditions and stuff but uh the development was very freaky because people would refer you to somebody and i would go and they would be like highly thought of and i would go and then they would teach pretty well. Then I'd watch them work and be like, I don't know if I want to do it like that. That didn't look that great to me. I would, I was very skeptical. I'm still skeptical of everything that comes into my head. I'm like, did I get there or did my thinking that? So I don't like when people tell me too much. I'm like, no, no, don't tell me anything. And you know, skeptical, so, but you'd know how to turn your brain off and just do it. And I think, you know, you just, you go in the zone because a lot of people, they can't get to that, that place because there's still so much in their heads. And, and tell me what you think, Drew. I think that, um, not always, but I think some people are just better teachers and some people are just better readers and they're just totally different techniques. So people sometimes slide into different categories with how they use their energy. I totally agree. Some of the people that I learned from were, if I saw them live, let's say with a group or something, or I I don't know about one-on-ones, I can't speak like that, but uh, I spent about $9,000 on a credit card in my first like eight months trying to like get readings and just figure out what's real. Um, so yeah. And I think that there were some teachers that were brilliant at breaking it down. Um, and then there were some people that I saw work and was like, wow. And it was like impossible to learn from them. So um, I, it kind of, and all the chasing of the tail, if you will, from teacher to teacher, spiritualism, Janet Nahovac, John Holland, um, he actually wrote me back. It was really sweet about it. I started engaging with people like Colette Baron Reed and Lauren Rainbow. Um, and there's my area right outside of New York City. There's a ton of people floor, uh, medium floor. She was on a John Holland thing. And then I saw her again Lesnick, at Omega yeah, yeah, with um, Tony Stockwell and James Van Prague. And like what started to happen was every and Paul Jacobs in England I spent weeks and weeks in England and then Scotland studying trans states and uh, physical mediumship. And what I found was after a while, it, it the baseline was sitting in the power and allowing and right. um, and validating, not looking good. Like it wasn't about me looking good and getting a name because I wanted a name. Um you know, and, and there was a, a whole host of ways to, to get information, but when it became too mechanical, I didn't feel the inspiration or the emotion or the healing as much. So it had to be a little bit of a mixture and of a push and pull and in the chasing and, and doing all these different courses, I was so lucky because I used to get so frustrated because sometimes it was very redundant and repetitive with different voice pe- voices. But, um, what I came to understand is that people started asking me like, Hey, well, how does this work? And I'd be like, why don't you come to my basement on Saturday and we'll do like, we'll just have fun. So I had like five people and then it was like 10 people. And then, you know, it started being like where we would just get into like, we'll do a chakra night. We'll do a color night. How do you perceive a color with your eyes closed or open? I don't see auras with somebody walking around in a pink bubble. I just perceive that. And we receive and perceive differently. We have different references, different experiences. So um, it was very helpful. And I, I had no, no desire. My perfect world at that time in 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14 was I'm going to do five readings a day, five days a week and be done at six o'clock. I'm good. And I got to tell you, I would probably not do this work if that's what my life was like. Although I do a lot of readings, um, three to five days a week. Uh, you know, I would say that 
without the teaching, without the groups, without the meditations, without this, without the interaction, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel inclined to probably do this full time. And I didn't know that at first. And I would say that it took probably four or five years of development before I truly stepped away from my other company in 2014 or 15 and started doing this. And I got to say, then I got into Reiki and healing because I wanted to make sure, like to me, if it doesn't help or it doesn't heal, for me, it's probably not real. And it's probably, I don't want to, I don't want to be more important than the reading. Yeah. Or than the I message. mean, the, the exposure that you have to people with, you know, even just come over to my basement, we're going to figure things out, have fun. It's so meaningful because it, it tunes people into themselves and everybody has these abilities. Like, you right. know, we all have, you know, um, we lean in certain directions, of course. And, you know, we all have certain abilities more so than others in certain departments. But this is all so, so real. And everyone has like, I know it sounds cheesy, but it's like everyone has superpowers. Like literally right. if they just tap in and practice and you understand the importance of trying to bring that out in people. And I would also say that if you trust that it's, it can happen, right? So one thing I, I do with people is I do all these exercises and in the practical application of it in the moment, like when, uh, you know, we would do a name and I would say, okay, let's do the personality. And I would give the name of somebody living. And I would do that like three, four or five times. The fifth time I would slip the name of somebody deceased in there. And they would get all this information about the deceased. And I'd be like, psychic is for the living and mediumship is for the non-physical. So you did the same. And it was just so amazing to me. And if they believe that they can do it or they didn't have something rather saying you can't, everybody seems to be able to connect. Now, can everybody do this professionally or are they supposed to? Probably not. Um, but like that to me, exactly what you said is perfect. Perfect, Kelly. Like when I saw other people go, and I remember this one woman was like, said to this woman, are you a nurse? And she was like, yeah. And she's like, oh my God, I can't believe I got that right. It, sh it started to really speak to me like, wow, this not only changed my life, but maybe some of this can change other people's lives. But then there was a whole other process of like, how do you go about it? How do you not overdo it, underdo it? How do you not overpromise and underdeliver? Because like you said, everybody's kind of geared a little bit differently, but we do all have access. Like, I don't feel like I have access to special guides. I feel like right. we all have access to the same things. It's just a matter of discipline, really. And in the discipline is where you find the flexibility and the freedom, oddly enough. Yeah, yes. I do think we just have to like show up more for ourselves. And the answers do come of how this works effectively and with grace and understanding. And yeah, not everybody should do this work because then we'd all be mediums and we're not getting anything done. <laughs> like the world, the world has to work in turn altogether. But I do think in most situations that when people have access to understanding this energy, they excel. Well, I know that they excel. They excel in every kind of work that they do because they right. receive information bigger than just their own perceptions and they get these inspirations and these knowings and and people just benefit from better information and working through a higher intelligence. Everybody benefits. It's just a matter of does the individual want that at that time in their life? And sometimes they don't, and that's okay. But most people are really excited when they are touched by this knowing that they can access. I agree. And I think to, to your point, um, 
you know, look, a lot of people, what I found is the side effect of developing as an empath, intuitive, a psychic, a medium or a healer, and just, you know, getting into that intuitive arts and the healing arts and just seeing where things fall and just going for it, not worrying about being wrong, like be willing to be wrong and just go for it in a safe, sacred, safe space, supportive space. Um, more often than not, if not always, I hear more feedback. Yes, people get incredible hits and uh, people that stay a long time end up doing mediumship in different ways. Um, and what I would say is it develops the human. And when people yes. enrich their lives with a better guidance, better access to guidance that's always been there, that um, it enriches their relationships. It, it, it should, uh, you know, almost rejuvenate certain parts of their life and maybe make them more aware of things that aren't serving them anymore. But I hear that a lot where people are like, I can't believe it. I have my relationship, you know, I thought was falling apart and I was willing to go back into it, maybe get honest about me or the other way where I, this has been abusive for too long and I'm going to get out of it or um, just changes and nothing drastic and major like overnight, you know, like that's one thing that I, I, part of the reason I do the butterfly series over a period of four to six months is because it's this slow integration where like you and me, like I remember, you know, if I went away for a week or a four day weekend, I'd come home and people at the dinner table were like leaning away from me. <laughs> they didn't know what to make of it, you know? And I would, I want to talk about it. Oh my God, I got the name. This. And when I stopped talking about it and I started doing it and living it, I, and I was doing it on a regular basis, I didn't really want to talk about it. I accepted it fully. And when I accepted it fully, it seemed like other people around me would be like, how's work? And I'd be like, works pretty good. You know, or I would say something along those lines. And I started to treat it like that. And that helped me because I needed like this boundary. But for most people, when they're first starting out and they're enhanced and they're surprised at how subtle it is and how accessible it is, they'll almost be like, is that it? Did I really do it? And they almost right. don't believe it. Crazy. It's, um, you know, I th I do think it's supposed to knock us over the head when it first happens. And then, you know, we get used to working with the frequency and it, it's all very subtle and, and it's so easy to overlook unless you have an experience that shakes you awake because, you know, there's like a whisper. There are many times like, you know, I've, I've had things within my life, even as a medium where I go, well, I, I just heard something, but like, should I do that? Like, because it's so subtle, even for me understanding that it's subtle, you know, sometimes they give you breadcrumbs, like how much yep. are you really going to listen? Yeah. Well, and also I think, I think our job is to be fluid and flexible and let it evolve. Like my, my connection and my dialogue can't be the same as it was five years ago. Like I always tell people that like, want to like solidify a system. You can do that, but you might end up being very general. Like if, if a, uh, a blue flower means these three things every time, you're always going to have to throw out a bunch of options and hedge your bets. And I, I don't know, I think specificity is important, but also knowing today's a specific day. And then today, uh, more like FM than I am satellite, you know, some days receptivity is not as clear. I don't know why sometimes it's person to person, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like the way that we go about this, it teaches me over and over again that, uh, I don't know a lot more than I know. And everybody I've ever talked to who's done this, who I respect, and I've studied many, many, I read hundreds of books. And what I found was when I tried to do it, someone else's system, I learned the systems and that gave me a basis, but the system was revealed to me on how it's best perceived for me over a period of time. And it revealed things about me 
also and what I'm comfortable with, what I'm not comfortable with. Um, I, I think it's such a it's such a great experience overall and, and what witnessing other people kind of go through this in a slow, safe, integrated, integrative fashion over a period of time. And they what starts to happen is like in our groups, it's cool because at first everyone's kind of like you're sizing everyone up. Like, how's that person? What about this person? Oh my gosh, she got that. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. You know, and and some people have had severe loss like children or things like that. And what I find is um, you know, a few weeks in, everyone's rooting for everyone else. And all of a sudden you have everyone that's like giving to the group is getting from the group, you know, and the people that are there for the wrong reasons or are um, maybe too egomaniacal or something like that, or want to be told that they're amazing. They kind of fall off to the wayside and don't continue and, or they don't even sign up really. We don't have a problem with that. So I found, you know, I, the more that I share this with other people and teach, the more I feel like a student I've become, you know, I really do. And I mean that like, I, because sometimes I'm wrong on something. I'll be like, oh, well, well, this is how this works, you know? And then someone will do it the opposite way. I'm like, that worked? Oh, okay. There's an exception, you know? And I love that because like at first I was so afraid, like if, what if someone's better than me? Like, what do I do? Like, do I teach them still? Like, how do I do that? Do I just pretend I'm better? You know, <laughs> like it was so weird. And then, but, but it taught me that it's okay to be flawed and to be honest about it. Um, I don't have to do this perfectly at all. No, um, no. I, I definitely, I just have to be willing to not look good and to, in order, because in order for me to really get it right and be an ambassador for spirit to the, yeah. to the best of my ability, I have to be willing to not only, you know, not make a jackass of myself, but, but not, it, there has to be a risk of it not going over well or getting yes. something wrong. So you can't, I, I try to try my best to go for it and not in a reckless or loose cannon type of way, but, um, in a very, uh, hopefully as disciplined of a way as I can, that is as helpful as I can. And, um, you know, I think when I focus on like, who's here, how do I know it's them, who they here for, what do they want to say? It kind of works out generally. When I start going, I want to do this really well and I want to make an impression or I'm nervous or in the spotlight or I know somebody. I won't read for a lot of people I know. I don't know if you do, but I I don't like being attached to the outcome. It's yeah, it's different. And then I yeah, want it for them and I don't want to look bad. So my ego gets involved and uh, on occasion, it, something will come. But if somebody comes to me for a reading and I, I wouldn't read for them if I know them. I wouldn't really... I'm never excited by that. I would have to feel like for whatever reason, like I feel this is right. It would have to intrinsically feel right. And yeah. I remember like just even just simple things. I remember like I read for, and this was years ago and I was like, does this feel right? Yeah, it feels right. And I did a reading for somebody that I worked with years ago, years ago. And it was about them leaving the same company that we were like a part of. And I'm just like, this is going to happen. They're giving me a two. This, this, they're giving me a two. And they're like, I'm like, this is coming up actually quite sooner than I thought it would. And, you know, and I, I, I mentioned that. I'm like, well, I guess that would be two years or something. Well, it turned out to be two weeks. But I had, I could not place it because in my it's mind, I had right. no idea yeah. that this person was thinking about leaving because they looked so enthusiastic and I knew it was kind of stressful. But I was just like, that two 
immediately I made it something else, right? So it's just like, yeah, you, you complicate things. You have to be so willing to get it so wrong on so many levels to really let it purely come through. I'm a, a huge believer on that. Yeah, and I think sometimes in the breakdown of what's psychic, what's mediumistic, um, what's empathic, like to me, empath, empath is a big buzzword nowadays. To me, the empath is really, the E is like about being emotionally and energetically psychically sensitive. And the I and intuitive is usually intuitive impressions are for the, for me, for like, I'll be, I'll have an intuitive hit. It's my guidance. It's your guidance, but I can do intuitive insight for somebody else. But really when it starts kind of expanding into the Claire's clairvoyance, clairsentience, clair, uh, audience, I feel like it's usually for someone else, you know, and, and the, the psychic kind of pathway, the psychic language, it's almost like the same tree and maybe the, the core of the tree and the roots of the tree are rooted in that empathic connection. Because if you're not into, and like, I have tons of people that I'm just an empath, but then they're doing mediumship by the end of four months, you know, and not like easy, right. like it's no big deal. Like they work for it, but like, it's accessible to everybody, but I think, uh, there's this myth where empaths are, uh, you know, here to absorb negative energy. I always joke about this. Well, does that mean that everyone else is supposed to just be like, I'm going to send my negative energy to the empath? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is weird. And I think like, I get so many people that say that, like, I can't even go out. I do understand the heightened anxiety. I do understand the heightened sensitivity, but if you can find a discipline and, and get better boundaries emotionally and mentally and start to trust and the empath quality allows me to really touch a deep, deep need within somebody else's connection. And mediumistically, I understand from this non-physical consciousness or spirit that there's this like almost a deeper blend. I understand them. I don't just hear them, see them or feel them and talk about them. I might be able to really, really allow them to uh, come to come into the room more. You know, that's how I feel. And I feel like um, a lot of people. To learn the terminology in the way that um, I've learned it and the way that we teach it, I feel like is helpful. But also, like to your point, it is a very simple process, but but it almost has to get complicated and broken down before it gets put together and simplified. I believe so. Like I believe a, so. Like reverse engineering. I believe so. There's a you know a lot of people that just let the process happen happen. And then when you kind of talk to them afterwards, they're like, well, I don't know how that happened, you yeah. know, uh, or I just did that. And, um, that's okay. But from, if you're, you're teaching and sharing and you are guiding people, there has to be, I believe that complicated breakdown. If you want to be in the role as a teacher, right. or if you want to be in the role as, as a mentor, you have to have a different skill set and you have to get a little heady. But for the actual doing it, uh, no, you, you could be a child and connect. Absolutely. I agree. And I think there's nothing wrong with someone doing really great work and not understanding how it is. As long as they don't just go, I just turn it over to the angels and they tell me that like when people give this kind of blase like answer, I think it, it misleads other people to believe that, well, they must be super connected and I'm not, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's no. where I find yeah. like the, the, uh, like even spirit guides, you know, um, I find that I get a lot of people that are like, well, I don't know my spirit guy's name and, or how do I meet my spirit guides? And I could do a series of meditations for people. But the big thing for me is, I mean, do you really like, I don't know that everyone needs to know exactly who their God is. And for all we know, 
but all the same guys. And another point B might be that uh, because this is a much greater intelligence that we're able to give credit to. Um, but it also might be that they come in a form that is comfortable to us, right? So oh, yes. if you're coming from the Western world, you're going to get things that symbols and archetypes that make sense and Eastern same thing. And I feel like, you know, um, some of the guides that I've, or energies that I've worked with or been fortunate enough to have some sort of meeting with, um, it's, it's evolved and changed also in how they feel and how they present themselves. And I feel like it's important to just understand that we are spirit. We are just in human form. Yes. There's, I, I do think it's important in mediumship. Like if you really want to get into readings and really talk about people's lives, because there's many different types of energy awareness and sensitivity but if you really want to talk about people's lives and say, yes, I am talking to your grandfather or yes, this is what's going to happen within your life or yes, this is what you experience. There has to be um, that understanding of what you are presenting is real. And when you get into guide territory, that could be a hundred percent real, but you could be describing the perception of how a person identifies their guides and guides do change. And this, this work is all about you know, going back to the truth. So we strip away layers over time of how we can understand the truth. And with evidential mediumship, it really does get the closest to the truth that we can with the, everything collectively that we share in reality and know to be as. When we get into our individual experiences, like guide work um, and our own spiritual development, it's a it's a very different type of spirituality that can't always be validated for what it is, even though it's very real. Yeah, I agree. I remember doing, um, so I had somebody come to me and they were like, well, you know, past lives. And this woman told me this and I went to somebody and she would get even names in my life today, but she would put them in the theme. Like the themes were correct in the past lives, but it didn't feel all right to me. So I went and I did a past life regression with a friend of mine, or I had them put me into a regressive state, which is like a, a meditation form, <clears throat> like Brian Weiss style, Dr. Brian Weiss. And my friend yeah. was trained by him and I went into it and I'll never forget the whole time. Drew's brain is like, nope, not happening. Nope. This is, this is silly. And I'm laying there. And then all of a sudden, you know, I remember she was like, you know, where are you? And I remember being this like, Whatever it was, she was like, well, look at your feet. And I remember I'm waiting for my like guardian night boots and I had women's feet. I'll never forget. I was like, nope, no, no. And I was just like, it was just funny. <laughs> my, my, um, those kinds of things. And, and I had this whole story format that came where we knew each other and, and it really, really felt real. Um, and my mind the whole time was fighting it. So the fact that it came in like that, and it would be something I would never think of in another time I did one where I was in the middle of a smoky field and I was in battle this this lifetime uh, for America. And I remember I'm walking around, I was holding this really long rifle. I understood it was like 1914. This is a long time ago. I'm walking around and there's this, all these bodies and the smoke clears. I will never forget it. And I was wearing a German uniform and I was like, no, can't be, you know? So uh, wow. I, and again, I, I've had people come to me where they do past lives and they get stuck on like, well, why is my UPS guy so attractive? <laughs> and you know, and I'm like, let's just not go bad shit. 
okay, let's just chill out and not get crazy. Because I did, I've had people where they start assigning stuff that you can't disprove. And that's why, to me, that like you said, evidential mediumship, um, it's important because it's validation. And somebody has to say yes, no, or I'm not sure. And it's important that we kind of upkeep the authenticity and the integrity. Psychic guidance is equally as important. However, when people come in and go, what do I do with the rest of my life? I'm 40, yeah. I'm divorced, and my kids my kids are grown up. Like to me, that's just, they're not taking responsibility for where they're at. If you have a specific area or you're kind of here or it's there's something going on with work or relationship, but like I get people that come in and they just, they really don't want to do the work and they want me to give them shortcuts. I don't. I feel really that's like the that. evidence though. Do you agree with it? That That's the evidence though, Drew, that you go, hey, I'm aware that you're not taking responsibility in right. your life. And I'm aware that you actually have these interests. And because the energy is like this, the expression of that is really diminished. Let's talk about that. Yeah. You know? And I'll have and people that'll not- tell me like, they'll get they'll not so happy that I say stuff like that. I don't say anything that doesn't help or heal, in my, but I, I do, I am direct sometimes with people. And sometimes it's a gut check. Like, are you really here to hear what you need to hear? Or do you want me to tell you mm-hmm. what you want me to tell you? Cause I'm not that guy and not to, and I'm never like a jerk about it, but I don't want to waste someone's time or, or take their money if they have the wrong idea of what we do. You know, but I, I do agree yes. that, you know, sometimes it is a conversation. It is um, an unveiling of things as you get into it. And there's intuitive hits, mediumistic hits th- throughout the conversation. Those are some of my favorite sessions. Yeah, everything's very much different with how um, a reading does function. I, I do. I think there's crossover between psychic and mediumship. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. some things are just so very much psychic and some things are so very much mediumship. And our job is not to talk to people during readings, but sometimes the energy opens up for people to go, yeah, I never really thought about it that way. Yeah. Or, Absolutely. oh my gosh. Yeah, that does hit. And you have to check in that they're processing things on certain levels at some times. Yeah. And I think getting people from the other side and anchoring in the evidence allows me to trust the guidance that I'm providing better, you know, in a psychic kind of based reading. And, and I do readings called life readings or spirit readings. Life reading is like, you know, what's going on situationally. Like it's a focus on ongoing situations, right. Um, in the living. And it doesn't mean the mediumship can happen, but that's not the intent and spirit readings or spirit sessions are for people to uh, come in and, and want to connect with loved ones on the other side. I like kind of knowing, and then there's some people that come in and both happen anyway, um, you know, which is fine. And I always find it funny. Like I've always tried to come up with the perfect time, the perfect amount, the perfect format. Everybody's got different needs. And I try to just be present. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree. I think it's great to be overly prepared sometimes. And then you just go, let's see what actually just happens. But if they need this, you've prepared for that. If you they need that, you're prepared for it, right? I so I hear you. I really hear you. Um, I wanted to ask you though too about for people who are looking to develop, like coming into the beginner's mediumship or psychic, uh, intuitive, um, empath awareness. You have um, a series called the Butterfly Series. Can you um, talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. So the Butterfly Series is something that. 
it originated, uh, I was teaching at Lilydale for like uh, two years in a row. And I remember the drive out there and the drive back was quite long in uh, upstate New York. And it was, I was honored to be able to be, you have to put in this application. There's a whole bunch of applicants and I, I was able to teach there. And I just remember I learned a lot because not only before that, people were coming to me like, how do I deal with this? Or a lot of Reiki practitioners where they would be like, I'm getting this impression. They really didn't know how to speak about it. And what I what came to me was on the way home with my friend at the time driving, we came up with this kind of idea. I'm like, let's do an eight-week course where we cover chakras, auras, um, colors, how you perceive with your eyes open, your eyes closed, guided meditations, um, not full tarot, but oracle cards, maybe a little bit of tarot, but Oracle cards, uh, uh, psychometry, which is where you hold an object and tune into it. And and then at the end, I would always leave a little bit of room for mediumship. And the reason was because I had all these students from all over the world coming in to Lilydale and um, the questions were very similar. And it, a lot of it had to do with, they learned this on this weekend or on this week, and then they got home and they applied it. It didn't work. And they had no one to ask questions. There was no fallback. It was very like, uh, and, and they were only retained so much. Um, so I, I just found like this kind of calling or this need and it just, it just worked. And the first time I did it, I did it for Reiki practitioners in the Saratoga Springs area. And it was so awesome. It was so much fun. We did it once a week for a couple hours and we would just, and the practical application, like if you sit with 10 people for two minutes each, you're going to have 10 different conversations. Why? Because the energy is different. And also like first things first, what's an empath, what's an intuitive, um, you know, what's a psychic, what's mediumship, what's mine, what's yours, how do I know, you know, and uh, the baseline is really getting to know you sitting in that quiet space. So we did a lot of work like that. And then it started expanding over months. And then I had groups that would be like, what do we do next? I'm like, let's do an intermediate. <laughs> and then we started doing mentorships for mediumship and a lot of stuff on the back end, but the gateway for everything on our back end is through the, uh, so for January, 2024 through May, every Wednesday, beginning in the middle of January, I think around the 16th or 17th, um, it's zoom from eight to 10. And we do, uh, like a guided meditation to start. And then we do beginners courses for probably two, three months. And then we kind of mix the groups, the intermediate advanced, and we do a lot of, uh, uh, work with partners and, uh, breakout rooms. And we kind of keep it, we keep it really light and really fun. We try to cover a lot of different topics, pendulums. Um, the reason is because I want people to understand what makes them tick, you know, what, what really calls to you and what works today, you know, is great. But just because you didn't do well with cards last week, when we do it four weeks from now, it might really speak to you with someone else sitting in front of you, you know, and, and we do a lot of slow exercises to build up to it where we do it in a group format. And I kind of say what well, this is, this is how you want to do it. This is what you wouldn't want to say. And we're very clear. I'm very clear. Like, listen, anyone that comes in, who's going to talk about dark energy or dark entities, like is not for me. And that's not been my experience. The only darkness I've ever experienced is in the living. So, um, and that's been my truth. And I'm Irish and Italian. You can't get any more Catholic. So I was <laughs> waiting for that to happen, but it just didn't. And I, I don't, it's not my job to, you know, talk or down talk or up talk anybody's beliefs, but in the classroom environment, I need everyone to feel like it's a safe, harmonious space. And that's been really solid. And we've had people from surgeons to police officers to just everyday people that are not necessarily interested in 
doing this work, but they just want to enhance themselves. And it becomes a really good, cool community. So it is, um, and you also get private consults. I get, there's two, there's four total for 30 minutes where this way you kind of get a check-in, you know, like what works for you? What's going on? How can I help you the most? What about, let's talk about your development. It's not necessarily a reading. It's more of like assessing where they're at and kind of diving into the spiritual components. And sometimes readings happen, but a lot of times it's, it's like, I never had that. Part of it is that I'd never had anybody consistently until I paid a ton of money for it. And I was severely disappointed, you know? Um, and I think it kept me going to all these different tutors and meeting all these different people like yourself. And to me, that's been a huge benefit. So I just wanted people to basically have a little bit of a home. And then for some of the people now that have been with me for four or five years, they did a group with me last night. Like they came in the middle and they each did a link, you know, and I try to keep it fun and light. Um, and I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I will say um, it's a space that people can call home for their spirituality and for healing. That's it's on zoom. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Eastern yeah. time too, eight to 10 every Wednesday, starting in January through May. Um, and it's like, if I wasn't, I, I feel like it's so inspiring to see people come together and just do this kind of development. Like it's just so cool. And it's so, in, it's so um, in the moment, you know, it really is. I love it. I agree. I mean, when people really want to develop and they really want to grow and they come consistently, amazing things happen for people who show up for themselves. And, you know, you're just, you have the experience to just guide them like, yes, keep going. Yes. You want well, to teach me that. probably like they've taught me more than I've can ever teach them. Like I'm I could, sure. I really truly feel like it's like a mirror. Like I, 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 there are challenging, strong personalities that have learned this way. So why isn't it this way? And like, I would just want everyone to understand this is the terminology. We all speak the same language. So as we move forward and you start receiving and we get into the, the more lengthy kind of versions of this, I just want to make sure that we all, all are speaking from the same source. So when there is a hiccup or a question, we, we can actually speak to that. And that's important. I'm sure you've I'm sure you've been a part of many moments too, because I just want to give you credit where people go, what the heck was that? And you're like, oh yeah, like, oh, totally. fair I enough. See, what's, but... What started to come, Kelly, which was so cool for me. I, I remember witnessing tutors do this at Arthur Finley where like they would tune into you while you're working and they would kind of know you have, no, you have a man, you have an older male or he's this or that. So what started happening is I, I'm, I'm dialed into the person as they're going and I kind of know what's coming and where they're going. And that's a guide thing. I really feel like lucky to have that. I didn't do that on purpose. It just started happening where I kind of understood, no, no, go a little bit further. Besides don't say it's not literal. It's more figurative. Oh, and like, you know, I would just understand things. Um, and also somebody would be working in intuitively and I'd be like, right away, this happens almost every class where I'll, one person will stand out and I'll go, you have a man or a woman with you? And I'll just walk them through this very quick sequence. And all of a sudden they do mediumship in like a three minute period. And they're like, that was it. Oh my God, I did it. And being dialed into other people keeps me dialed in generally. Like it's really an incredible experience. I get so much from it. I agree. It's like, um, I think it's mind blowing for someone to know, wow, someone can actually know what I'm experiencing because the reality is all shared. It's not just a, I'm seeing this and I'm kind of hoping that this is right. It's just like, no, someone can go, 
yeah, if you look a little bit to the right, you're going to notice this. And if you feel more into this, you're going to notice that. And it's exactly a shared experience. I do think I don't I don't have all the answers on this, but I do think it is an evidence of a psychic link to as well um, sure. to your student because um, you're aware to see where their energy is at. But also, yeah, there, there's, there's a mediumship link at play, too. It's very interesting. Um, what other um, classes do you have going on or events that people can be a part of and how can people find you, whether it's on social media? Oh, or yeah, you no, thank you for on? asking um, sure. so I, I go by, I am Drew Callie, where it's literally the letters I am D R E W C A L I, um, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, And also uh, I have a YouTube channel too. I don't really do a lot with it, but we do face, we do uh, Facebook and YouTube live streamed. I try to do it once a week, uh, press pause. So I do like some live readings and I'll talk about, I'll take questions and answers. Um, it's been a cool thing. And for a period of time, I did it every week, but the last couple months, my schedule changed, but the butterfly series, everything they can find at drewcali.com, which is just www.drewcali.com. And if they go there, they can look at classes or live events. The live events have spirit messages, which I do zoom events. There's one December 30th with my friend, Claire, who's incredible. She was on like uh, uh, Sky TV doing the Psychic Network and she's just really incredible. We do this mediumship gallery together, really good friends with her, developed with her. Um, and and I'm doing actually November 19th, there is in person in Ramsey, New Jersey, which is like less than 30 minutes from Manhattan. I'm doing a trance mediumship day, 10 to four. I have a guy named Caleb that comes through and we're just going to kind of deepen the blend for people that have never done it, but are genuinely interested in understanding it um, and talk about like the differences between channeling and trance and what people think and just, just kind of keeping it a really loose day, but really exploring the deeper states. But a lot of what I do are the spirit galleries too. Um, anywhere from 20 to 40 people. I do them in person at our Cali center studio in Ramsey, New Jersey, or we do them via zoom. And I do a lot of private groups for 10 to 20 people and a lot of fundraisers, which is kind of funny because I do fundraisers for like, project graduation for high schools and like football teams, like things where when I was in school, there's no way that they would have a medium, you know, for like parents. So it, it's just cool. really been, yeah, it's been kind of cool. And, um, but the butterfly series and the, uh, trance and the live events, which is the spirit galleries are probably the highlights of what I do. And also, um, on the website, you can see the private readings and all that. But I would also say that I have these co-facilitators that are starting to, teach Reiki classes. Um, I used to teach them a lot and I just don't have the time anymore. So the people that I've taught that are Reiki master teachers are starting to teach Reiki one and two online and in person. And we're doing these, we have healing angels, which is kind of like everyone gets together on a Sunday night for a half hour and we send out healing to like a book full of people. So I try to keep it more of like a community, but the butterfly series and the live group events to me um, highlight the work that I do. And I really appreciate Absolutely. you giving me a format for this and being able to give a shout out to this stuff. It's really great. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you help so many people and you really do have a community where you have multiple things going on, but some of the most special things to you, like I, I, I love hearing about um, how you facilitated that and how important it truly is. So absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's my pleasure. What I like to do as well with guests is when we start wrapping it up, coming to an end, is 
to ask the guests um, to share a word of wisdom, a piece of wisdom, um, whether it's off the cuff, um, however it comes, something important to you to share with others. I would say one thing is the words I don't know probably can be the most spiritual words because it leaves every possibility open. And I found that in the land of, I don't know, I'm at my, my spiritual height. And with that, there's this saying, the enemy of the best door is sometimes the next door. And I've had that a lot of times where people will take, we'll open up the next door. We'll do whatever's safe because we're scared. There's not gonna be another door, but you just get more of the same. It looks different. looks like a different hallway, but leads to the same room where that best door intuitively knowing when to allow and when to take action and when to wait, um, that best door opens up and there's a staircase that has this beautiful light at the top and you go up to the top and it's this whole new, uh, and it almost seems easy, the opportunities. So, um, really getting in touch with who you are and all that you are and honoring the life that you live is number one. And being in a place of, I don't know, sometimes is, you know, the greatest jump off point. Into the unknown and allowing it to be how it will be. I love it. Thank you for the clarity and neutrality of, I don't know. So with that said, thank you so much, Drew, for being here today and sharing. Absolutely. It's been a blast. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll see you on in the future um, in whatever capacity I'll bump into you, right? But you're always welcome Absolutely. here. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. With, with that said, everybody, um, thank you for being here today. Um, we will see you next week for the reading show um, on Oh gosh, it's going to be a little different, everybody. Um, it will be on a Monday or Tuesday. I'll put that out for everybody who wants to be involved and come on in. But with that said, we will see you next week for the Psychic Hour. Thank you for joining us. Thank you again, Drew. Um, please go with love, luck, light, and don't forget to live, everybody. Take care. Bye.